Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And since Sarah has been suspended for conduct detrimental to the podcast, I am joined by Gene Zelak and our special guest, Jason Blevins from the Painted Lines, joining us to talk about some Sixers basketball. So, Gene, how are you tonight? I'm good. I, I thought you were definitely going to throw me out of practice. So, um, I'm so glad that I've managed to. Uh, I, I I don't like defensive drills. I'm just going to put that front. <laughs> well, I make you hand me your cell phone before practice starts. So well, yeah. I know I have your undivided attention. Right, right. Swipe right, swipe left, whatever. <laughs> all right, all right. Jay, how are you tonight? I'm great. Uh, how are you guys doing? Awesome. Just super excited to get the uh, the season started. And I, I've been, I was jazzed all morning waiting for Sixers practice to end. And then we get this like bombshell. Well, I mean, it shouldn't be too surprising that something like this happened. You know, but the bombshell news that we have to lead the show off with today that Ben Simmons was tossed from practice by Doc Rivers. I don't even know if tossed is the appropriate word, but he will be suspended um, for one game. What what do we know about this incident? Well, let me give credit to my wife on Sunday morning as I was saying uh, that I was considering going to the practice she said there's no way he'll speak to the media. He'll find a, an excuse at the last second. Um, and uh, when I told her about what happened today, she said, yeah, not surprised at all. <laughs> so here's what we know. We know that um, over the last two days, Ben Simmons uh, has uh, participated in a grand total of four drills, four, uh, three on Sunday, one yesterday. Uh, the infamous um, sweatpant uh, saga, which I will get into uh, maybe later, but um, I don't think it was a cell phone. Um, and today refused to go in on a defensive drill, and uh, and Doc Rivers told him to go home. He, you know, he gave him a second chance. Said Ben, go in. He said no again, and, and he said go home. So he, uh, the report is that he walked out. Uh, straight out, didn't go to the locker room, didn't get changed, uh, didn't speak with anyone, walked out and went home uh, e immediately. So um, from from reading a lot of the reports, um, he has refused to acknowledge even the security guard at, at the front uh, gate, the front door, which is just, you know, Say what you want. Say what you want about who's to blame. I, I, ignoring the uh, the people who keep the lights on and keep you safe. Right. Um, just the people there doing a nine to five, not making, you know, millions of dollars. Not cool. So, um, as far as everyone uh, knows, he really has not interacted with his coaches or his, or his teammates. Um, Joel said today that he has, has not really talked to him uh, over the course of the last three days. So uh, I, I think um, the team is fed up. Coach is fed up. What's the point of having him out there? In fact, it's probably a detriment to the team 
preparation to have him there in the building. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, clearly there simply to not get fined. I think that's basically what it is when you read the body language. Um, and the, the, the clips from practice the other day, uh, you're saying you don't think it was a cell phone in his pocket. What, what, Here's what why. It was. Here's why, because I've, I've looked at it. What, <laughs> We've done model video of, analysis. what model of iPhone has that strip at the top? And it would you'd have to go back to like an iPhone like eight or nine before you find a, an iPhone that has that little strip in the top. Um, so that's what everyone is looking at say that's a that's a phone at the top there there's no way he's not rocking a an iphone 13 there's just no way right right so is he is he did he bring a you know six-year-old phone no but i mean what what well then what, what could what do you carry in your pocket when you're practicing basketball yeah, I don't. I don't. People have said it's a practice jersey. People have said a lot of things. For me personally, yeah. I, I'm in the middle of an argument right now about uh, do uh, do NBA players wear sweatpants to NBA practices, <laughs> and uh, I'm being told that's totally normal. And I've covered a yeah. lot of practices. Team Android. Maybe it wasn't a. Maybe, you're Android, at the I, wrong maybe there's model. an Android. I'm trying to think because I've seen Ben <laughs> with his cell phone on FaceTime with Kendall Jenner. And I, it, I, it just doesn't look like a phone that he would carry. Let's okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, too. So, um, I mean, my question is, if he's been in a total of four drills, right? And we know that, we know the things that Ben likes. We know he likes uh, famous women, uh, Australian stuff. Uh, I thought defense, um, we know things that Ben doesn't like, shooting. So what drills is Ben doing? What were the four things that Ben was like? Cool, I'll do that. If he's not going to if he's not gonna do a defensive drill, which is apparently the thing that Ben likes, what drills is he willing to participate in right now? Uh, are they like foul shots, like something where he literally has to interact with no one? Yeah, it was a lot of individual um, drills with a with – a, skills development coach normal warm-up stuff that they do before games you know you work with one coach uh they put you through a few different things to get you loose um he was not a team participant in practice yet at all that that the, the you know there was video clips yesterday with with the sweatpants right and if you looked at that drill who was he playing against? Those are all assistant coaches and like strength and conditioning guys. So they yeah, were, they were all half court. whatever they, whoever they were. That was just team staff. Those there were very few uh, on that red team that he was guarding, and he was he was uh, guarding. I would say is a stretch to <laughs> describe. So Jason, what he was let me doing. let me ask you this: Is this just like? The net was this the next logical chess move in in this game that they're playing with each other? It's like, well, I'm not going to report. Well, then you're going to get fined. All right. Well, then I'll report and I won't do anything. Okay. Well, if you don't do anything, we're going to suspend you for conduct detrimental to the team. So, what is the next logical like? Okay, Simmons, Paul, it's your move. What's what's your angle? You know, I, I mean, there's a bigger, there's a huge question around like the clutch sports 
world and how much LeBron James um, patched over their maybe not being very good at their job. Um, as an organization, LeBron James is so smart and so wildly fantastic as a, as a player and as a media entity. Um, I just think they've wildly misplayed this uh, entirely. And I think he's got bad advice from his family. I think he's got bad advice from his from his management group, probably since the beginning. He's he um, he it has been allowed to feel victimized by the situation uh, since really high school, I think. And um, I think he landed in the exact wrong spot where. A, uh, a city that has a reputation for being too tough on its uh, its players, there was a backlash that actually, I think, shielded him from true criticism. He landed in a situation, you know, the, a few days ago, the, the whining was he never got a chance to learn as a number one pick because he came into a team that was too good, you know? That was their excuse. Well, the team was too good. He had to immediately be a playoff player. Okay. I mean, he got he didn't play his first year. Do we do we forget that he didn't play his first year? And there was there was a question, you know, he was on the court doing uh skills work in January of that rookie year. Um he didn't get any time, please. Um he is a good player. He does drag um teams to the playoffs I, I think he would even drag the Sacramento Kings to the playoffs but I think he's surrounded by people who just haven't made him feel um, the things that we all have to go through to get better right the pain that it takes the embarrassment to well, I mean the Sixers count. have some culpability in this he should not he should not have been allowed to do what he did or not do what he didn't want to do, I guess I should say under the Brett Brown era. Right. But what was the, what was the carrot and what was the stick? Right. So you have to have like, you have to have something to offer and you have to have something to take away. Playing time. Were you though? Like what was their, you know, they were, <laughs> I get it. I mean, I... <laughs> you were going to play, TJ but you're McConnell. nothing if you don't get him there, right? He needed the ball in his hands, so they got rid of uh, you know any competent ball handler uh, that could be a threat to that because, quite frankly, he's virtually a non-factor when the ball's not in his hands on offense. Yeah, totally. What does he do when the ball's not in his hands? Stand. Yeah, where? <laughs> Off to the side. <laughs> like, where, where, where's the spot you want in the stand that helps? Yeah, and he doesn't out. draw. He doesn't draw defenders out to him because they know that he's not a threat to shoot. Right. So right. they they don't. They certainly aren't going to commit serious defensive resources to stopping the Ben Simmons three point extravaganza. Because is that he is like a completely a broken? Exists. Is he a completely broken player? Will he break any team that he goes to? I don't think so. Ultimately. I, no, I think okay. He's pretty, so all right, he's on the Kings. Where does he stand? Uh, he. I think with the Kings, what they lack is any organization uh, for 
for and consistency for 48 minutes. And um I I would assume one of their guards would come back in return. And, yeah, but he's um, not taking the ball from like De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, I was just using the Kings as an example of a bad yeah, team that I, would become a playoff team with a yeah. guy that would be a competent, organized professional. But every time I imagine him on another team, I just think, well, what would they do with him? They would get to the first round or the second <laughs> right. round and, and go home. Right. Which is like, I guess, a pipe dream. Like, it's it's like a good goal for a lot of teams, right? A lot of teams. Yeah. A lot of teams. Um, so, like, when you start thinking about, or so I, I'm I'm hearing from you that you feel like Daryl Morey has the upper hand in this this situation. I think they both have a bad hand. You know, it's it's like you've got a seven two, and I've got a you know <clears throat> six and a five, and we're playing Texas Hold'em. Yeah, and we're staring at each other, and uh, and we're playing around, uh, playing a hand of Texas Hold'em. Gene, what's your favorite starting hand? Jack two. Jack Deuce. I know it. Maniac. Why? You're a maniac. Why? I play poker with this guy. He's crazy. <laughs> oh. You play Jack two like it's aces, man. Nobody sees you coming. <laughs> Get out of here. I, you know what I call the Jack four is the fisherman's hand because the, the Jack looks like a hook and the four looks like a fish. Oh, okay. So if I ever say that, if I ever make a fishing reference, I probably got a Jack four. Oh, there you go. <laughs> There you go. A little tell for you. A little, little yeah, gift. There you go. It's usually the flat um, tire because that's what a jack's for. But I, <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. I uh I think they both have bad hands. Yeah. You know, they, they've got um I think Maury came in at exactly the wrong time. He didn't have enough time to prep the uh the fan base and the organization. There's never a question if you follow Daryl Morey for the last 10 years, never a question about what he believes in. He wants his teams to take 53s a game. It's simply impossible for all the talk about how Ben Simmons creates threes for other people. Uh, the, his style of play is just never going to get a team uh, as a whole to get to get to that level. Um, it, it, Daryl Morey believes in um, just extreme spacing uh on on a team and they inverted a lot of things last year and they made a lot of things work because Joel and B can can shoot and can space and can pull a rim protector away from the rim to give Ben a chance to get downhill but the the you know they had a premise walking into last year and he couldn't get downhill and he couldn't get to the line and he couldn't convert when he got to the line so um I think Maury would have liked to have, if he if he had a time machine, go back and just move him in that first month, rip off the band-aid, listen to the fans, and deal with the consequences of the fans for on sports radio and here. Yeah. And here for yeah. a couple of months as they uh, you know, as whatever happened as they had growing pains. I think he probably would have wished he had done that. Um, but I think at the time they um, wanted to look like they gave it every opportunity to work mm -hmm. with a new head coach and move him in the summer. I think there was no question they were going to move him this past summer. And uh, the way that the season ended, the way that 
he reacted shortly after has just made it into a complete, complete, complete ma- uh, mess. The, let me ask you this. Let's hop in that time machine. If you could change one thing about the Ben Simmons saga over the whole the whole course from draft day to now, I mean, what what do you think would have been best for the Sixers? Would it have just been like, let's just draft Brandon Ingram instead of Ben Simmons? Would it be, we should have pushed him more as a younger player to shoot or be, be a better all around NBA player? Is it, we should have thrown in an extra, whatever, an extra spice to get, Harden here in that trade, or maybe you think that was never even a possibility. But like, if we could change one thing over that timeline, what do you think it should have been? Gosh, Um, it's a really good question. Um, I'll tell you where my brain goes is he's not (laughs) left-handed. So if you have a time machine, oh, we're going way back. You go where you go back to whatever point you could have changed that. Um, that's my that's my honest answer. You know, I think about the Markel Fultz um, trade and draft. Um, I think you would have. I think you would have wound up with Markel Fultz at three anyway, probably. Um, but you may have wound up with Lonzo Ball, who might have been a good pairing. Um, you see what Lonzo Ball has done to rework a uh, horrible, horrible form on a on a on a jump shot, despite making a ton of them in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that rubs off on uh, Ben. I think the other point, I guess, as much as I I was. Uh, in favor of this at the time, but I think they, when they were forced to choose between Jimmy Butler and and Ben Simmons, they should have chosen to trade Ben Simmons, and uh, he was probably at peak value at that moment, exactly at that time, um, and kept Jimmy Butler, and there were probably a ton of options you could have gotten at at that time for, for Ben Simmons, because they just looked like they were so close to having legitimately maybe been a championship team. Uh, he forced his people forced that trade. They forced Jimmy Butler. They forced the decision the the year after they forced the decision between him and, and Joel, whether it was his team or Joel's team and uh, the team chose Joel. And and that's why doc rivers is here instead of Ty Lue. Because Ben's people wanted Ty Lue. And, um, but yeah, those would be the two things, right? The, uh, the Jimmy Butler decision, the choice they had to make, and then just getting him to embrace being at least ambidextrous, but definitely not right-handed, uh, definitely not left-handed. Did Jimmy um, Butler I don't and Ben Simmons, like... I, I, I've done a ton of research on ambidexterity. There just isn't that much in there. And I've talked to the team about like, can I do a story and interview a bunch of doctors on this? And they said, absolutely. He would not absolutely be unhappy with any story that came out like that. And that was Hmm. three plus years ago. Wow. Interesting. Did uh, did Jimmy Butler and Ben Simmons actively 
dislike each other's personality or was it simply like they knew that one could not coexist while the other was there but they seem you know i mean they're it always seemed like sort of a phony bromance, you know what I mean, with the headband bros or whatever. It didn't seem like necessarily they actually liked each other, that it was sort of something that they were sort of trying to portray as that they were a team. But I think obviously the way it shaked out, do you think Butler actually wanted to stay here and sort of was like, well, I can't stay here with him, so... Because he really was able to just sort of say, I'm not going to sign, right? He was sort of yeah, yes. And also, he wanted, he didn't like Brett Brown's system at all. He didn't like Brett Brown, didn't respect him as a coach. But also, um, Ben Simmons' people, undoubtedly, many of us uh, have, uh, were getting blown up in our DMs from about February on about just anti Jimmy stuff. Like, very, like, did you see this? Did you see that? Just pointing us towards all of the negative stuff with Jimmy Butler and I promise you there's a ton of that like there's a ton of negatives with the guy but it was it was very calculated it's very targeted over a period of months um and it called it it really reached a uh, a breaking point in Toronto during that during that that series which wound up being his final um a lot of weirdness a lot of tense moments a lot of just weird stuff that never got reported for all the stuff that philly media gets a um bad rap for harping on and i think you know sports radio has to get people calling um the sports radio hosts aren't that aren't super plugged in but they hear through the grapevine the little nuggets of things that 90% of that stuff doesn't get reported. Like the bad stuff mostly gets shelved. Hmm. Um, like, so. like looking back on it was Jimmy's um, like contention with Brett Brown. It somehow related to Brett Brown's treatment of Ben Simmons. Uh, that could very well be, that could very well be. Maybe he just sensed that softness and a, and a, and a um, babysitting to mm-hmm. use to use Embiid's words from today. Uh, <laughs> I want to ask uh, you about a, that. A, a coddling, let's say a coddling. Um, yeah. But I think Jimmy had some real uh, problems with the um, the the defensive scheme, especially and uh, especially. Do you think Embiid said, "I don't like that man," comma honestly, or do you think he said, "I don't like that," or like? Uh, I don't like that. Uh, I don't think about man. that man. <laughs> What's that? I think he said, I don't think about that man. Yeah. yeah. So right? you can say, I don't think about that comma man. No. Or does he say, I don't think about that man. Yes. Okay. So yeah, it was the, the straightforward, honest Embiid that we've known to, to love. That is a phrase that uh 27 year olds use quite a bit. Okay. That is how they refer to each other quite a bit. And uh, and I have. Well, I don't care become, about that man. As well. I have become fluent in uh, Joel's cadence and uh, tone, and uh, there's no mistaking. So Joel Embiid said, "I do not care about that man, Ben Simmons." Uh, did he say, I, "I don't think about that man"? 
Or nah, the quote is, I don't, I don't care, care about, about that, that man. man, honestly. Whatever it was, that man was a reference to Ben Simmons. Okay. Whatever the preface was. Fair enough. It was about that man. All right. So let's what all right. What are Daryl Morey's options at this point? Like, what are the Sixers options? When will the league step in and say, this is crazy? <laughs> you guys <laughs> need to figure this out. Like what what like look, let's look into the crystal ball. What's gonna happen next? Well, Adam Silver spoke spoke about it at like 7 p.m. today. Okay. Uh, um on ESPN and uh, he's firmly, firmly on the side of the team. Let's put it that way. So I think Daryl Morey's best course of action at this point is to wait for a team that was optimistic um, heading into the season to get off to a rough start and a, and a general manager um, feel the pressure for their job and uh, have some stars that are disgruntled elsewhere and uh, starting to create less public, but um, still uncomfortable situations in their cities and, um, and make a swap at that point. But I, I think it's gotta be, you know, there's a lot of players that, that signed that I think December 15th, they can't be traded before. Mm -hmm. So a lot of players will become trade eligible in December. To me, that's kind of the earliest I could see. Um, him December um, well, I think so I think the window I mean you know it, it might be so bad that the league gets everyone together and uh and as much as we complained about how they stepped in during the process you know and and brought Jerry Colangelo into this team and in, in the early part of the season maybe they step into a franchise that just has lagging um, Jersey sales lagging attendance and says, you know, you need a star, uh, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. You should make this deal. We need to spread out our talent. Um, that, but they, they'd only be like an arbitrator or some sort of facilitator, mm -hmm. um, mediator, but I don't think they can force anything. I think, I think Maury's philosophy is I want three superstars and a bunch of minimum contracts. So the whole idea of like finding three role players around the league, uh, package, uh, packaging them up for a Ben Simmons um, and saying that's fair value just goes against his philosophy. I think he thinks that there is an ocean between a, a superstar level talent and their impact on a game and a role player and their impact on the game. And I think he thinks... You can have eight Isaiah Joes if you have, you know, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Clay Thompson. Sure. Um, let me go back to the Adam Silver point. Do you feel like this this is the opportunity for the league to kind of pull back some control from the players? who are, you know, it's a very players league, like these players dictate, you know, where if they can stay or if they want to go um, and they're kind of calling the shots. Is this an opportunity for, you know, as the commissioner to try to push some of that balance of power back towards the team? It might be, but they have to be careful. I think they really have to be careful because um, 
player movement is good for the league in general. It sells more jerseys and they have a CBA that they have to negotiate and um, they don't want to work stoppage. Um, you know, I, I just think they have to be really careful. I, I, I just, I think the big loser in all of this is going to be clutch. I think they have just taken a lot of hits between the Nerlens Noel stuff about how they made all these promises that he'd get a hundred million dollar contract. And basically he was completely forgotten. They wouldn't return his phone calls. He wound up God. having to negotiate his own one year minimum deal um, to this kind of thing. So between the forgetting about the, the sub superstar tier guys and the wild mishandling of a, uh, a star slash or an all-star, I, I should say. I think they're gonna they're in a really precarious spot. I think the players' union is uh, in a very weird spot with Kyrie and with Ben Simmons. It's hard to defend them, and it's ninety six percent I think today of players are vaccinated. So is the is the uh, players' union gonna like pick up the mantle and fight for uh, these two players? I, I don't know, but I don't think he can just steamroll these two either. Hmm. Okay. Um, well, hey, was the Malcolm Brogdon deal, deal ever on the what, table? What else about? I mean, is there anything? I mean, did not that the Kyrie situation surprised you, but mm-hmm. um, do you sort of see this as? You know, a, a lot of people were like, "Well, Brooklyn is now just like you might as well just crown the Nets." Um, and it does not seem that, at least last year when the, the parts were coming together, it was a seeming, let's just crown the net. If not this year, certainly next year when when everybody's healthy. Um, you know, and the knock on them last year was like, you couldn't get all three of the stars on the court together. They're not going to gel in the playoffs. Uh, you know, and a lot of those things came true in my in my mind. So now you bring in Kyrie doing what, to a certain degree, Kyrie does is he draws attention, negative attention. He, he it's like he is a a magnet for how can I make my fans and my city, my teammates, and 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 everyone else sort of be negatively affected by me. You know, is is this sort of the 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 sign of, you know, if you're the general manager of the Brooklyn Nets, you're like I've I've done it, I've done it, I have built the super team I have built, you know, this is what everyone is is trying to do right now. And it is so fundamentally flawed because of the personalities and had, it has nothing to do with basketball and everything to do with the, I don't know if you want to call it ego or, or just like, like literally like the cult of personality that you have assembled. Um, is this really truly the Achilles heel of the NBA super team is that the reason why these things are not working or they're not as successful. I mean, if you sort of throw out the couple of examples, the reason why it's not the norm is because you cannot put three egos of that level on the same team and expect it to function as a basketball team. Yeah, I think it's fair. I think there's a reason why you were able to put them together. It's because there are a lot of personalities um, 
And I think it's happening all over society. I just think people are struggling mentally. Um, but uh, wildly successful people that are really hard to be around after a while. Um, and uh, I think Jimmy Butler is one of those people that, you know, can rah-rah a bunch of uh, third stringers and take them to the NBA finals. But you put him with a couple of other um, people with pride and uh, now that, you know, the chess, the chess get puffed out and, and uh, things aren't good. I think Kyrie and Kevin Durant are very different personalities, but I think both personalities really wear on a franchise. Um, James, James Harden, I feel like he's more of an old school um, prima donna type player. I don't think he's a problem day to day at all. I just, you know, he likes, he likes to go to the club after the game. It's, it's sort of old school professional athlete. But I think there's a reason why you're able to assemble those kind of players like that. They're not homegrown like the Warriors. Um, the Warriors also, they, they were mostly homegrown. And that is just such a city that you can live such a fantastically comfortable life. Um, and Brooklyn is, is a space to do that too. They just got three guys that uh, don't live in that sort of laid back comfort sort of mindset um but i think you make a good point it's really hard to put together and uh and a team is is not a fantasy team like there's just it's just not it's just not you know mouths have to be fed that's why i'm a i'm a huge proponent of the of the point guard position because that's the person who makes sure everyone stays happy Everybody stays happy. Ben Simmons, going back to my point about the Kings, he's a person that could figure out, you know, Marvin Bagley is like out of the rotation over that team, number two pick of the, uh, of the draft a couple of years ago. Completely off the rotation, big big release today. His agent is saying, you you, you should have traded him in the, in the uh, summer, and now he's out of the rotation. You've completely tanked his value. Um, Ben Simmons is the kind of guy that could make a guy like that useful in some ways. Um, so I think the, uh, the super teams have to start with a really unselfish point guard. And what the Nets have is two guys at the point guard position who can drop 40 on you at any time. But are they really worried about if Joe Harris has gotten a shot in the last five minutes <laughs> so that he's, you know, hot at the end of the game. They're not thinking about that. So we did a half hour about a dude that's not going to play a single game for the 76ers this year. Can we talk about like some actual Sixers? Cause I, you, um, I, I think I saw a tweet a few weeks back from you where you, you listed like, eight things more interesting about the Sixers to talk about than Ben Simmons right now. And I was like, Oh, that's awesome. Like we need to, we need to like, so what's going on with the Sixers this year? How do you like, what do you expect to happen with this team this year? Um, should we get excited? Um, I think Joel Embiid looks improved from last year. Um, 
which I should be he, very dangerous if he's better than last year. Yeah, I man. yeah. Uh I so that would be one. I think he's I think he's improved. I actually think he's picked up some skills and and his body is is becoming an adult body. You know, he's a very thin teenager. He became a very big hulking early 20s guy and now he's starting to round into his into his uh adult body um and i think he he can just do it all right and that's going to make the job of i think the second most important person on that team is you know and i think it was on my list is tyrese maxey actually a point guard because the things I was just talking about is making sure people get fed, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff is stuff that you have to, that a point guard has to be good enough to ignore their man defender while they survey everything else and process tons of information, second layer of the defense, manipulate the defense behind the guy guarding you. Um, that stuff takes time. I'm not sure he's, he's that person, but having a Joel Embiid that can, that can really operate in many different spots on the floor will, will help him. Um, so he, he's the biggest question mark. If he is a point guard and he can have, let's say, you know, anything over six assists a game at a two to one assist to turnover ratio, then I think they're probably a 50 win team. Uh, if not, I think they have to get a point guard. So I, I just don't know how they, how they excite anyone without that. Um, I think Isaiah Joe is legitimately an effortless shooter from anywhere. And as small as he is, he plays really smart defense. And he's going to get run over a lot and he might get (laughs) hurt because of it. But he's always going to be in the right spot. And, uh, And he can legit shoot like no question that guy can shoot um so i think he's someone to really get excited about i wouldn't be surprised if he took a took a leap and um let's see what else would i say uh i you know i think they are they're gonna be somewhere in that 47 win range in my opinion so is that do you get excited over that? <laughs> what is that? A do you think that makes you like at? the five seed, six seed? Yeah, I think so. Because I think as as good as Drummond looks when he's coming off the bench and he's a huge upgrade from any backups they've had. Um if he if he's the starter for 20 games, I think they're gonna lose a lot of those 20 games. They're just a lot of it's empty with him. And uh so I don't know. I think they're they they feel like a five seed to me. Um but do you think there are legitimately Max- five better teams in the east than them? Yeah, I do. I do think uh it spread over eighty two games. Like it, I'm not sure there are five better teams in a seven game series, but spread over a uh sorry, I'm trying to look at the teams. <laughs> I'm trying to cheat. That's box. Yeah, the Bucks look good. I was just watching them for. I mean, are the Knicks time. better than them? No, the Knicks will be a train wreck. I think. Are the Hawks um, better than them? Yeah, I think the Hawks are are pretty. They you know they have a guy that they have a lot of guys that really stress the defense. 
Um, yeah. And I think they're, they will have gained some confidence and uh, learned a lot from their playoff run. So I, mean, I don't expect them to fall back. Team. What's that? The Heat would be the only other team that really comes to mind that would. Yeah. So, I mean, but this could be a top every year where yeah. 47 might get you the four seed. Um, it's just, I, you know, you got to assume some, some injuries for guys that have always missed some time. And then you say, assuming you do 20 games without Joel Embiid, um, what oh, does yeah, that I forgot about the Bulls. Yeah. I'm not sure about uh I'm not sure about the Bulls. I want I think they're a playoff team. It's hard for me to see them jumping into the top four. It's hard for me to see them jumping. Um, but I do like what they've got going on. <clears throat> All right, what else? What else should we be looking for? Um, how about our first round draft pick? Not Didn't have a great NBA preseason, player. huh? What is I don't see it. Do you see it? No, I don't. I don't see. I don't. It. <laughs> I, don't <laughs> I don't see it at all. I don't see it at all. Okay. I think it. I think that was like the stashiest stash of stash picks they could figure <laughs> out, and send them to Delaware. I'll go to Delaware. You know, I'll go to the, the field house and I'll watch them, and maybe I come back on here in a month and I'm like, you, you, I, I see it now. Um. But he looks undersized to me. He looks a little slow to me. He doesn't look like a great shooter. Uh, he, he 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 looks like a slightly bigger version of Zaire Smith, but oh, not God. nearly as athletic, as far as I can tell. Oh God! <laughs> like, well, speaking of Delaware, what about our boy B Ball Paul? Any action? Uh, I love I love every player like that like him that brings chaos to the floor as a as a shake it up guy. I hope he's the third string center. I really do. I think Daryl Morey uh, has done everything he can do to manipulate things to the point where Doc Rivers is forced to play him. Um, I think he did that last year and it hurt them. I th- Doc didn't play him. And I think at the trade deadline, when he refused to get a third string uh, center, uh, his gamble was, we don't need one. We can either play Ben at the five or uh, play Paul Reed. And uh, Doc said, uh, no, thank you. So <laughs> Dwight Howard wound up having to be the only option. Um, I like him. I like players that just create chaos and then clean up. Uh, mistakes with uh, with great rebounding. I like those guys. I think teams need them. Um, where does he fit in this rotation? Like I don't know. Does he get 15 minutes a game? I'm not sure. How many minutes a game you think he'll get? Uh, seven. Yeah. Seven eight. Um... But I, look, seven minutes of chaos is great. Like I'm a big Jakar Sampson guy. Like. Get that guy on your team. Just seven minutes of chaos disrupts the other team. And when things are not going your way, like you just need somebody to go in there and just shake things up. What do you, what do you think Doc Rivers is excited about for this season? Uh, what, <laughs> I, know, I know the things that he's not excited about. Um, do you think that there's anything that Doc Rivers is, is like, I am – Amped and ready to get this going. Just turn all the stuff that he's not excited about and the stuff that you're like, I'm excited to trade Ben. 
<laughs> I uh, I think they've got a new. Questions. I think they have a whole new offensive philosophy. I think he's excited about not having to cater to one yeah. player's obvious holes. I'm excited um, to watch that. Yeah, it might just look normal. There was that one uh, preseason game where I think they had mostly everyone, and it just looked like a normal NBA team, but with Joel Embiid on it. And, yeah, uh, like the Nets game. Yeah, it was the Nets game. I was like, oh, that's just a normal. That's just a normal team. And it would have been a normal night if Ben Simmons didn't just show up at the door. Yeah. <laughs> um, unannounced. Hey guys, so I think he's probably most excited about not having to deal with. Yeah, catering to someone with a wild, wild deficiency in their game. Uh, he may have been excited last year about the challenge of doing that, um, but I, I think that would probably, probably be uh, it. He's probably looking forward to his first West Coast road trip so he can play golf more. <laughs> um, we haven't talked about this. Uh, no more Mark Zumov this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kate Scott's in the booth. So, I mean, thoughts? I mean, obviously we're going to miss Zumov. Yep. Um, like legend status. And it took me a really long time to warm up to Tom McCarthy after Harry, you know, was no longer with us. So I really just hope everyone – gives Kate Scott, you know, a fair shot because she's really great from what I've heard in the preseason. She's excellent. Any any thoughts there? I think it's a great comp. I think she is very good and uh it's a tough act to follow. Um but I think she's so good that um you know, is she going to have a ton of memes on uh on Sixers Twitter probably not, but um she's really good at her job she's just really good at her job i haven't met her um uh mark zumoff was an amazing person you know i I, I mean he is an amazing person but um to everyone in the arena every everyone in the organization at camden tireless worker just an awesome person and then even having he did i think the the um the women's Olympic basketball or like world cup basketball a few mm-hmm. years ago. He's just a guy you just always enjoyed having. Um, so, you know, she may have 10 years like, like uh, Tom McCarthy before, uh, before you're uh, she's got her isms down, but uh, she's pretty good. I'll tell you what, you know what did it for me with McCarthy was getting the uh, MLB package and just watching games around the league and going, oh my gosh, this is dreadful. What's going on in other cities? And then you just listen to McCarthy, and it's like, all right, this is actually really good. Like we actually have a really good broadcast crew um, for the yeah. Phillies. So maybe that all. I'll just get NBA League Pass and just listen to some other guys. Yeah, I I tend to watch those things on mute now. Um, <laughs> however, like even the Eagles, I watch on mute. But um, uh, what well, he was the radio guy before, right? Was McCarthy the radio guy? I don't think so. Gene, do you know? No, Fransky was the radio it's guy. I think Fransky McCarthy did, came but... from New York. I think he was. I don't know if he was uh, like okay. in the Mets. Maybe he was on the Mets radio. Maybe that's where. I um, he's a New. Well. He was a New York guy. Hmm. Uh, okay. And I think he also did a lot of football. Um, and you'll still hear him do football games. Um, 
because I thought the game was going to go to uh, or the gig was going to go to um, who was the other guy that sort of was waiting in the wings with Harry. Um, his name is completely escaped me, but he's another one that you see um, like they calls like Westwood one games. Um, you know, there are those guys that sort of just are journeymen that they, they sort of go into the, like those network systems. Um, yeah. You know, they're not on TV, um, but yeah. And I think Fransky would have had it if Fransky wanted it. Uh, but I don't think Scott Fransky has any interest in doing TV. I think Fransky loves what he does. He likes being on the radio and doesn't want to, that's just not what he wants to do with his career. He's very happy in his position. So I think that that's why you end up with a guy that like Tom awesome. McCarthy, who much like, like Dave, like you were saying, my appreciation from him has come from once I for, sort of accepted that he was not going to be Harry Callison, that he was going to be sort of a much more every man sort of thing. Uh, and I think that when they finally figured out to add in like a John Crock or, I mean, I, I, I am, it is much, much must watch TV when you've got Rollins in the booth. I think when Rollins is calling a game with, with McCarthy, especially if you can get Cruck and Rollins in together or Schmidt and Rollins in together, that's where Philly's broadcast can be magic. And, you know, McCarthy is that sort of straight man in the boot. He's he's the one that just sort of keeps the train from derailing. Um, and when you've got a guy like Cruck, you've got to do a lot. You've got to do a lot of lifting um, to make that happen. Um so yeah, and I mean we are we have always been blessed following Philadelphia sports to have some of the truly iconic voices in the business. Even you know the Flyers had Gene Hart, the 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 Eagles have Merrill Reese, who is he he is so unique of a voice. There there really isn't even anything comparable in the way that NFL football is called at all like not on tv not on radio like Merrill reese is just a distinct unique style cadence drama that he adds just from him being him uh, whether you love him or hate him because i have found recently there have been a lot more people that i've come across that are not Merrill reese fans which strikes me as sort of odd to love the eagles and not love Merrill reese I, I, I don't know um philly said harry callis obviously a hall of famer all-time great uh, and the Sixers had Mark Zumoff. I mean, you, you, you. We have been blessed. No wonder we are so opinionated about bad broadcasting, because we have, we have very high standards from what we listen to all the time, and we get irritated when it has to go to the national broadcast because we have to give up something that's usually better. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, uh, I need to take the L on my uh, prediction for since we're talking baseball. I predicted the uh, the Phillies would be a 500 team, and I'm very sorry they were uh, two games over 500. Um, I don't know how I missed it. I don't know how I what I miscalculated, but you know I did all that math in preseason, and uh, I didn't see what everybody else saw. So my apologies. Uh, there, well, you didn't you didn't see Bryce Harper having a historic. He carried them all the Second way to two, two games over five hundred, and uh, like Zach Wheeler having a, a war that's comparable to the MVP candidates for the National League. It was just those two guys were just wild, and if yeah. they weren't wild, they'd be an under five hundred team. 
<laughs> no, I predicted they'd be 500 exactly. <laughs> that was Listen, my bit. Every time I would come on here, take an L for stories, not picking I'd an say, exact. Let me, guess. let me guess what their record is. Somewhere around 500. You're going to take an L for not picking an exact win-loss record for an MLB baseball team <laughs> over the course of a 162-game season. Uh, I think you'd be a little too hard on yourself. Try again next year. Is Bryce Harper the National League MVP? Um, No. No, I don't think you can be uh, an MVP on a 500 team. God damn it. Well, who are you going to give it to? I don't know. Pick the best play. Pick the best player on uh, one of the top four teams. Okay. I mean, if it's like most outstanding offensive player, sure. Okay. Well, that's no what it is, isn't it? If the, if that's the definition, that's what it is. then sure. Okay. But I just don't know how you call somebody valuable. Are you saying that? It, I mean, what a what a insult to the the other 20, 24, 25 guys on that roster. Yeah, without this guy, he's so valuable. You won eighty two. He is. You'd be a forty win team without him. You would. <laughs> Gene, what else you got? Uh, Jason. Uh. What do you think about the uh, the football team in Philadelphia? Any any wild predictions about how the rest of the season? Oh, Dave, don't fall out of your chair. Uh, any <laughs> any predictions about where we go with the rest of this this Eagle season? Um, is there any hope that they beat Dallas before the end of the year? Can I? You know, will no. they? Beat Dallas? Oh if yeah, why not? I'm not going to be that game. It you know, tell me who the here, here'd be my Eagles thing because I have watched them a lot more this year than the last couple of years. Um, tell me who the offensive linemen are and how many games in a row they've played together, and I'll tell you whether they have a chance of winning consistently. And right now, the answer is no consistency on that front line. And I think Jalen Hurts is got he's got everything that you need from the leader of a of a franchise except ball placement it just it's just not consistently in the spot it needs to be at the time it needs to be there leading guys so that they have a chance to do a lot um and man he's like so close to being like your franchise guy. So does it click? Is part of that, you know, is part of it happy feet because you got different guys playing left tackle and right tackle every, every week, no consistency. So he's got happy feet. Could be. And that affects accuracy. Um, so otherwise I think they're fine. I think they're, they're a fine team. They don't look like complete hot trash. Like, people thought at certain times. I still feel like we're taking the over on six and a half with the Eagles. I don't think that's crazy. I, I really don't. I think. I mean, you got how I many mean, games you got against the Giants and the Redskins? Because I feel like I, they're not gimme games, though. But I mean, Devontae Smith has been just a pleasure to watch. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, Fantastic player. You know, I mean, maybe they'll find a way. So, I don't Jason, think their defense you, is you know, crazy, there's a man. chance that we have three 
it's a really good chance we've got three number one first round picks in the top 20 next year. Do you package that up for a quarterback or what are you doing? Well, that's the thing. I mean, we got to find out if Jalen Hurts is the guy or not. Because well, I mean, everyone this, wants I mean, him if, to if be. You're going to go after a franchise quarterback. You're not going to have a, a ransom quite like that. Either you go and get the best quarterback in the class. Yeah. Or... So, you know, Ben here says, um, oh, wrong line here. Marky Mark says, Hertz has played with seven different starting offensive lines in 10 games. So it's like, there you, you go. can't, how do you evaluate with, with everything new, with the coach new, the offensive line new, the defense putting the offense in bad positions often like how do you evaluate what's the quarterback and what's the coach and what's the offensive line it's really difficult to, to say if he's the guy or not um but like I, like you said i look at those throws and they're not they're not there all the yeah. time i mean those deep passes are just not there but it's amazing it, it to take, me how much every... better he is than went and I, I don't know that it's even a skill issue but I just feel like he, the eye test to me says that he's a better quarterback than Carson Wentz. Well, he's certainly a better teammate, a better leader than Carson Wentz. I think there's no That's question. Facts. I, I, yeah. I, uh, Carson Wentz never felt authentic to me. And you have to be authentic to be a leader, especially at the NFL level. Like it's the hardest job there is at the quarterback. And, uh, he oozes just inauthenticity and Jalen Hurts doesn't. He oozes leadership. Um, so you gotta fix the offensive line. You just do. You just have to. Like you got three top 10 picks or three top 20 picks. Make sure you get the the uh the absolute like anchor guy that can bring that entire offensive line together. And then you'll see what you really have. Then you can teach him uh, timing and rhythm with his feet and consistently stepping into his throws and getting his mechanics consistent. But I just think those three top 10 picks, it just absolutely terrifies me what Howie is going to do with them. Just don't use, don't use one on a running back. Don't use one on a linebacker. Yeah, and just pick everyone from the SEC. Like, just don't even look at another conference. It's like, just stay with the SEC. Just pick three guys from Alabama. You'll be fine. You can't go. You can't go too wrong with that. Right? Pick pick their best three offensive linemen and let them all continue to play together, just for cohesion. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny. I was told last year I really kill. I was killing the team last year, um, and. And I was I got a lot of pushback that no, so many other offensive linemen are hurt. When they all come back, you'll see. And um, and I'm not. I, I I just think they have to create cohesion somehow with that with that team. Whether it's in the training room, making sure these guys aren't getting hurt, or um, coaching, or they seem to be talented guys on an individual level. You're not you're not hearing this guy just flat out can't um uh, can't guard anyone you know but i'm not blaming the team for the lane johnson situation i think he's just a victim of the times that we live in and i think he'll come back better for it brandon brooks has had 
same kind of things come up and the team was supportive. So I think the team's been pretty good in that regard. But you gotta find a way to get your five guys playing together, you yeah. know. All right, Jay. Any any plugs for tonight? No, I just appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on, even though it's past my bedtime. No, uh, I know you're. I know the, you're. Uh, the, the the viewers and the comments always fun to see some familiar faces. Absolutely, absolutely. I know you're itching to get back to uh, Warriors Lakers, and you're going to be up all night watching that game. So. Yeah. <laughs> all right, everyone. That is all the time we are going to spend here tonight. We'll be back next Tuesday night. Sarah will be back on. We'll be talking Flyers. They've been filling up the net well, we're going to be talking eagles raiders next week that's who we have and of course uh the sixers tip off this week too so that's going to be very exciting if you haven't done so already please remember to rate review and subscribe to the show on itunes or wherever you get your podcast also check us out on social media facebook twitter and instagram just search Podadelphia. if you have any more time in your podcast listening day be sure to check out the whip around for all the week's weird news and be sure to check out the painted lines youtube and facebook channels for your wall-to-wall philly sports coverage and also check out the philly sports alliance on facebook uh, for yet even more philly sports coverage um until we meet again have a great day at work everybody we are out of here